you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. You'll still miss out on some really fun things like the little old lady who sits behind you who always greets you so nicely Mm. or inspiring music or the kids trying to tear down the altar area. Tear down? Well, you know. What are you doing in church? Shaking the the railing. And we won't be able to give you cookies or donuts as we have this week, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we have with us Devin Gardner. Hello. Who is entering into the ministry process at the moment. And we are, Susan and I, are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of the new age. We're your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so that if you're away from home or working or maybe coaching a kid's soccer team, or maybe you just had to sleep in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Every episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. And this Sunday is MLK Sunday. Yes. uh, Because it will be posted a couple of weeks later than than it is now. Well, anyway, whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we just ask that you would keep an open mind and an open heart. And we're serious about an open mind and an open heart. We don't expect that you will agree with everything we say. In fact, we encourage you to question, to use your brain, to disagree, to figure out what you think. But our sincere hope in all of that is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So Susan, we talked about the scripture from Acts this week which is Acts 19, 1 to 7. And Acts 19, 1 to 7 is a story about Paul going to Ephesus, where the Ephesians live, and hanging out there for a little while. And this was a a community that had been started by Apollos, who was like a frenemy of Paul. Yes. Is that a fair? I mean, that's a fair characterization. That's a a fair fair way of saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Paul never, like, straight up disses Apollos, but he does a lot of, I'm not dissing Apollos, but... But, yeah. So Apollos was another teacher running around at the same time. Paul didn't think he had correct theology. And so Paul shows up in Ephesus after Apollo has left and meets with the community and, and he's talking to them about stuff. And he says, well, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were baptized? And they said, what are you talking about, Holy Spirit? And he said, oh my gosh, well, we have to do this. And so he baptizes them and they receive the Holy Spirit and they immediately burst into praise of God and talking about all of God's mighty works. And then the giant number of people that Paul converted that day, all of 12 are Mm -hmm. named. And that's the end of the story. Mm -hmm. So this story is really about Paul going into a place and helping people understand that they don't have to go through another person to figure out where God is moving in the world. That the epiphany, in the midst of this season of epiphanies, this place that they met God, um, wasn't because somebody else told them what to do or told them what to think, but because they experienced God in the world. And because they experienced God in the world, they could tell people what that was like. Right. Because they they could do it out of their own experience. Right. They They could praise God. They could explain some things about their own experiences of God. And so what I said is the Bible is not prescriptive. Oh, yes. Susan, I like these two words. It is not prescriptive. It is not people saying you have to do it this way. The Bible is descriptive. It's thousands of people offering their stories to say, I don't know where you're going to experience God in the world, but this is where I experience God in the world. And you might start here. Maybe it's one place to check out. It's not everything and it might not be your place, but it was my place. Mm -hmm. And if that helps, then it helps. And so the Bible is this collection of stories that help us uh, pay attention. Right. Right. To where God is still moving now. 
And I love that this story is almost kind of meta in that it is somebody's story about somebody's story about about somebody's story. where yeah. they experienced right. uh, God moving right. with the, the invitation being to keep, pay attention to where the Holy Spirit is in your life, right? Yeah. Well, and this is one of those really important things because I think as humans, our tendency is to compare stories, mm. right? Like my story and your story. But they have Mine's a cool call, a call story. story. <laughs> right? Or they have a cool, you know. <laughs> it's a throwback to the last episode. Yes, exactly. And, and I think that happens a lot. That we think, we hear, you know, we hear somebody's fantastic testimony, mm-hmm. right? And we're like, well, where's my testimony? I want a testimony story. I want I one to school. I told a story on one of the podcast episodes. I'll try and find it and post it, a link to it. But about these women standing in line at a cafeteria at a conference center. Mm-hmm. Well, I was leading a retreat for this small church and there was this big conference and they were like, I need to really sharpen up my call story right. so it impresses people. And I thought... But- Ooh, that's not what that's for. Right. You know, that's not what that's for. But anyway, so these, these folks, they experience the Holy Spirit and their immediate response is to tell people the truth about God. Right. And to tell people the truth about God's love and the way that they have experienced it. So that the epiphany in this epiphany story is that when you experience God's love and grace and hope, you cannot help but start to tell the truth Mm. that Epiphany helps you to see and then speak the truth about God for all people. Uh, It's been kind of a hell week in uh, the United States of America. Yesterday, there was this awful thing that happened. And I told people, you know, you you have to have kind of a dark sense of humor when you're a pastor or a cop or a nurse. And and so there are parts of this story that would be like really funny on an episode of The Office, Mm -hmm. but were not funny in real life. Right. Uh, In Hawaii, since November, since... Language between our president and Kim Jong-un has escalated via Twitter of all places. And people have been name-calling and threatening each other. Every month, Hawaii has had an air raid drill. And it's terrifying when that happens, right? Huge sound. Everybody gets a text alert. Everybody has to go practice where they're going to hide in case they're attacked by missiles, uh, ballistic missiles. We assume nuclear missiles. And so, I mean, that's, that's terrifying. And so every month this has been happening and, and locals and tourists alike mm-hmm. have been subject to these air raid drills. Well, on Saturday, a message went out to everybody's cell phones that said, this is not a drill. We are expecting to be attacked by ballistic missiles. Find shelter now. Find shelter immediately. And so all of these people thought, man, this is the end. Like we're done. We're done. And so uh, there was just this widespread panic. And 38 minutes later, they were able to send the retraction text to everybody who'd gotten the first text. At that point, many of those people were in bunkers underground mm. where they did not have cell reception anyway. And so they were stuck there without knowing what was going on for hours. Mm. It's a terrifying story. And it's because somebody hit the wrong button on a machine that, you know, I talk to my parents sometimes about their computer problems and they go, I don't know how we did this thing by accident that took us 45 minutes to figure out how to do again on purpose, <laughs> but they did it. And, and so it was just kind of this horrifying moment. And the reason that it was so believable was because we felt this escalation and mm-hmm. we feel this anxiety in our country right now. Yeah. The, the irony of uh, President Trump's statements this week in light of the scripture that mm-hmm. uh, the, the gospel scripture is about a guy named Nathaniel. Mm-hmm who meets Jesus and realizes where he is from, which is Nazareth. Mm -hmm. And he says, can anything Anything good come come from Nazareth? And then our president said, you know, some really disparaging things about Haiti and Africa 
and about people who come from Haiti and Africa. And it was almost like, can anything good come from Haiti? Well, the answer to Nathaniel was, well, Jesus Christ did, you know, like that's pretty good. Uh, and so it's been kind of a painful week in a lot of ways because there's this Hawaii thing. There's the El Salvadoran yeah. people who are being deported. There were the Nicaraguans the week before. Thousands and thousands and thousands of lives that are being kind of terrorized, being totally mm-hmm. dismantled right now. And it's it's scary for us. And, and it's scary for us. And we're not them. Right. Like, and like we're that, not even them. Yeah, if we were right. them, it would be a lot worse. Right. Like uh, one of my friends who's a social justice activist and was in Ferguson when all of that stuff was going down said uh, privilege is going to the streets and then going home afterwards. Mm-hmm. But some people have to live there, mm-hmm. you know. So we talked a little bit about how scary it can be and how necessary it is for us then to live into this, paying attention to where the Holy Spirit is moving and then being able to say a good word, mm-hmm. being able to offer some prophecy, some truth telling about what God really cares about, because it can be really scary if all we hear is we're going to go to war and also we hate everybody. Right. So I talked a little bit about Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. said, if you want to hear uh, if you want to hear some truth, you got to listen to stand up comedians. Mm-hmm. The only reason it's funny is because it's true. Yep. Uh, Dave Chappelle says that we should stand up for each other. He says that the course of history, throughout the course of history, and he's correct about this, there are people who are truth tellers mm-hmm. who will stand up and and tell the truth about what's happening for another group of people. Mm-hmm. He talked about MLK. He was actually referring to Colin Kaepernick at the time, this guy who was willing to, despite the fact that he was totally successful and totally could have ignored the whole Black Lives Matter movement, was willing to address police brutality Uh, and racism and did this in this really unintrusive way, which then cost him his livelihood, Mm -hmm. right? That people are unwilling to hire this really good quarterback who we are all attached to here in Reno because he was a UNR student. You know, we see that this guy is trying to tell the truth and he just gets beaten down. Mm -hmm. And this has happened to truth tellers throughout history. Somebody is willing to stand up and they get beaten down. In fact, there's a theology about this. It's called scapegoat theory. Mm-hmm. And in scapegoat theory, what happens is tensions rise in society because society is unjust. Mm. And in order to alleviate the tension, yeah. society chooses somebody to blame. Right. And then they blame that person and then they punish that person, which usually means killing them. Mm-hmm. And the tension goes away for a little while, but then it starts to build again and the cycle repeats. Yeah. It never really ends. It doesn't get interrupted and nothing yeah. changes. Right. Because so it we happens, just... And it happens in... Society, but it also happens in families. It happens in families. It happens in churches. It Mm -hmm. happens in any organization where people get together. The truth tellers get punished. And Dave Chappelle says, we we should stand up for each other. We should support the people who are willing to tell the truth. Because wouldn't it be great if the gospel story was there was this guy, Jesus, and he made everybody angry and he totally disrupted the society. And then we gave him a million dollars. Like, (laughs) but instead it's like, no, we, we hung him on a cross. And in scapegoat theory, the idea of the atonement of Jesus Christ was that he wouldn't let us get away with it. Right. He came back. He refused to disappear and pretend like the problem had been solved. That he came back and he got in our faces and said, God's love is still real and it's still for all people. And this is still unjust. And you still got some learning to do. And you still got to deal with it. And you still got to deal with it. So Dave was saying, we should stand up for each other. We should support the people who are willing to tell the truth. Because if we do that, then it might give somebody else just a little bit more courage to tell the truth. And then somebody else a little bit more courage to tell the truth. And somebody else a little bit more courage. And then Harvey Weinstein Weinstein can't rape for 40 years. And Jim Crow can't survive for 100 years. And slavery can't survive for 400 years. Mm -hmm. And all of these systems of injustice that surround us cannot stand when we're willing to stand together. Yep. Uh, But we're not willing to stand together for so many reasons. 
so often. There's often another way. There's not just like we will fight or we will hide. There's often a third way. And this is why MLK was so successful is that he found that third way. Mm -hmm. He had the ability to inspire people and organize people and train people to do nonviolent resistance, which is really, really hard work. Yeah, it uh, to is not, not simple. To not react to people who are being violent towards you is really difficult. To find the right pressure points to push on, to make change is really difficult. But he did this work and he did it well. And it's why we honor him. It's why we honor him this weekend. Uh, his life, his work, his sacrifice. And to continue to think about, well, what are the things, where are the places that we need to speak God's truth now? Where have we experienced God's grace? And where have we seen that limited by the ways our society lives together? And what do we still need to speak truth to? What do we still need to stand up and fight for? I was telling a story about this guy on Twitter. His username is Exploding Unicorns. And it's a father of four girls Mm -hmm. under the age of seven. Right. And they're really, really funny. And he tells lots of great stories about them. And last week, he was trying to teach them how to play Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) And Dungeons and Dragons is a game, tabletop game, for those of you who don't know. I'll post a link but in it's a tabletop game, role-playing game, and at 10 o'clock, we have this one kid in the choir named Wesley, and Wesley plays Dungeons & Dragons weekly. He's got like his game and his team, and they all go to the same place every week, and they play. And so I said, hey, Wesley, you're going to correct me if I'm wrong, right? And I said, so it's a, game, it's a role-playing game where somebody is telling you a story, and it's like a choose-your-own-adventure. You get to decide how your character is going to respond to whatever's going on in the story. And then you roll some dice and the dice tell you how successful you are at whatever you've decided to do. So say there is an army of vicious wolves attacking a village and you live in the village, you probably want to fight the wolves. So you say, I'm going to fight the wolves. And then you roll the die. And if you roll a 20, then that's as successful as you can be. If you roll a one, that's as unsuccessful as you can be. And everywhere in the middle, there's sort of variations on that theme. And so you roll the dice and you see how successful you are at whatever role you're going to play. And then the story continues. Well, okay, you responded in this way. So then the story goes this way and you have another choice to make. He was teaching these four girls under the age of seven how to play Dungeons and Dragons. Which seems like a gargantuan task. Oh, so much fun though. Yeah. And they're such a playful family. He's sitting at this table with these girls and he says, you are part of this village and you're being attacked by vicious wolves. What do you do? And they chose, instead of fighting the wolf army, to feed the wolf army and turn them into their friendly wolf army (laughs) that will protect their village from anybody else who ever decides to attack. And he said, man, girls are going to run the world. (laughs) I said, I hope so, right? There's always a third way that we think it's either fight or flight, but there's always a third option. And it takes a lot of work to find that third option and to be able to stand up and tell the truth and support one another so that we're not just sacrificing people left and right. Yeah. Having said all of that, there was some truth that needed to be spoken this week. And if prophecy of speaking the truth, if praising God is the response to experiencing God in the world, uh, then this was the way that our bishops decided to respond to something that happened uh, in our country this week. And uh, I will just read the letter from Bishop Minerva Carcano, who is the bishop for the United Methodist Church in California, Nevada, in the San Francisco area. She sent out an email very early on Saturday morning that said this, brothers and sisters, Earlier today, I had our conference communications office post the statement released by Bishop Brousseau, our Council of Bishops president. The statement was in response to President Trump's recently extremely derogatory remarks about Africans, Haitians, and others. 
As I asked for this posting, I was providing pastoral care for persons of African and Haitian descent. They were all devastated by President Trump's words and feeling dehumanized, humiliated, and even fearful. These are not strangers to us, but our own United Methodist brothers and sisters. Yet surely we should be concerned about all God's children anyway. The hurt and pain caused by President Trump's cruel and racist words leads me to ask that this statement, released by Bishop Rousseau, speaking as president of our Council of Bishops, be read in each of our pulpits this coming Sunday morning. I stand with Bishop O. Peace, Bishop Minerveji Carcano. So here's his statement. We are appalled by the offensive, disgusting words attributed to President Donald Trump, who was said to have referred to immigrants from African countries and Haiti and the countries themselves in an insulting and derogative manner. According to various media accounts, President Trump made the remarks during a White House discussion with lawmakers on immigration. As reported, President Trump's words are not only offensive and harmful, they are racist. We call upon all Christians, especially United Methodists, to condemn this characterization and further call for President Trump to apologize. As United Methodists, we cherish our brothers and sisters from all parts of the world, and we believe that God loves all creation, regardless of where we live or where we come from. As leaders of our global United Methodist Church, we are sickened by such uncouth language from the leader of a nation that was founded by immigrants and serves as a beacon to the world's huddled masses longing to be free. Thousands of our clergy, laity, and other highly skilled, productive citizens are from places President Trump has defamed with his comments. The fact that he also insists the United States should consider more immigrants from Europe and Asia demonstrates the racist character of his comments. This is a direct contradiction of God's love for all people. Further, these comments on the eve of celebrating Martin Luther King Day belies Dr. King's witness and the United States' ongoing battle against racism. We just celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ, whose parents during his infancy had to flee to Africa to escape from the wrath of King Herod. Millions of immigrants across the globe are running away from such despicable and life-threatening events. Hence, we have the Christian duty to be supportive of them as they flee political, cultural, and social dangers in their native homes. We will not stand by and allow our brothers and sisters to be maligned in such a crude manner. We call on all United Methodists, all people of faith, and the political leadership of the United States to speak up and speak against such demeaning and racist comments. Christ reminds us that it is by love that they will know that we are Christians. Let's demonstrate that love for all God's people by saying no to racism, no to discrimination, and no to bigotry. Bishop Bruce R. O., President, Council of Bishops. So I read that statement. At 8.15, it got a round of applause. Good job. At 10 o'clock, it got awkward silence and a couple of walkouts. Wow. During Children's Moment, we I have this six-panel world map. It's like six canvases that all fit together. And so we treated it like a puzzle and we tried to fit all the pieces of the puzzle together to make the world map. And then I said, well, where do we live? And one kid pointed to Africa, actually part of Europe, just north of Africa, uh, because he knew that the United States is always in the middle of the map. Mm. And so that must have been the United States. And I said, no, that's that's not us. Let's keep looking. And so we eventually found us. We found Nevada on the map. Um, and then I said, okay, well, we live here. Um, has anybody ever lived anyplace else? And I said, I've lived here and I pointed to Zimbabwe and I've lived here and I pointed to Spain. I said, my, I visited here and I pointed to England and Scotland. And I said, and I've traveled some over here and I pointed to the United States. I said, where is the best place to live? And some of the kids said, Seattle, immediately. I don't know why. Maybe they're <laughs> Seahawks fans or something. But uh, Seattle, 
so we found Seattle on the map and somebody else said, I want to live here. And it was like a, a tropical island, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and um, and somebody else wanted to live uh, where the penguins, I said, the penguins speak with Spanish accents <laughs> down in South America or uh, one kid pointed to Antarctica, which is, you know, yeah. Good if you're a scientist, it's a good place. Enjoy that. So they pointed out all over this world map, all the places that they wanted to go. And I said, where do the best people live? And they thought about that for a second. And I said, so tell me this. Did the best people only live in the best places or does God put good people everywhere? And they said, we think the second one. And I said, yeah, it's the second <laughs> one. God puts good people everywhere. And I said, so we're going to pray for all the people because we think God loves all the people. And so all the kids laid their hands on the map and we prayed for all the people in the world and how wonderful they are. And we thank God for them. And we ask God to bless them and to help us to pay attention so we can learn from them and continue to, to spread God's love, which is the response to meeting God in the world, to share the truth of God's love for all people. There are so many ways that we can do that. One of them is by doing what the bishops are saying and standing up when somebody says something that we know is wrong mm-hmm. and saying that is not okay with me. Uh, and it's not okay with me because I understand God's grace. Yep. Uh, in as much as it applies to this situation. I said, but there's other things that are going on. The CHIP program, um, the CBO has said that there is a way for us to extend the CHIP program, the Children's Health Insurance Program, for 10 years instead of five for no extra money. It would save us $6 billion and save 9 million kids from being uninsured. So secure 9 million kids access to health care. And it's been lapsed for 105 days. There's no excuse for that. Like we care for our kids. That's one of our values. We care right. for our kids. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. the Congress is going to have another shot at DACA this week mm-hmm. and extending the dreamers uh, a, a way to stay in the United States as citizens. There's so many, so many ways to speak up and do what's going on. I said, even if you feel uncomfortable with political action, if you, if that's a step that you can't bring yourself to take yet, do you know the number of people who never hear a positive word about themselves? Can you build somebody else up? Can you tell them the truth? that God loves them and God has created them on purpose and they have a purpose and they belong and they have value. Can you you do that for somebody in your life or for somebody that you don't know that well, or for somebody who has done something that you have appreciated? Can you say, thank you? Um, Can you write a letter? You know, can you show people some support because the truth tellers get beat down? And I wish that wasn't true, but it is. The cool thing about meeting God is that we get to be good news. Mm Mm-hmm. And the hard thing is that we are compelled to be good news. Yep. And that might come with some risk. But we think it's worth it. Yeah, I do. I think it's worth it. So that was was our sermon this morning. Devin, do you have any thoughts? No. Since the second time through, you're still working on it? I have zero thoughts. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Several of our colleagues have been in touch. You know, it's Sunday afternoon. Today, so we're all a little groggy, but to let us know the count, how many people walked out when they oh, read yeah. the letter, you know, and yeah. some people forgot to read the letter, but preached about it anyway. And some people read the letter with shaking voices and trembling hands. And some people read the letter thinking everybody in this room is going to agree with me anyway. And, uh, you know, some of us have mixed reviews. The truth is always hard to hear. The truth is always hard to hear. And I think for me, What is really frustrating right now is that we are so polarized that we think if somebody says something, then there has to be equal truth on the other side. And we get really defensive along partisan lines. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make any sense because racism is not 
A partisan issue. It's we not a know. partisan issue. Like, I don't know. I don't know any conservative people that think racism is a good idea. Well, maybe I know a couple, but <laughs> I don't, I don't know any reasonable, logical conservative people who think racism is a good idea. And yet yeah. people will just bunker down because they don't want somebody that they have voted for or um, are rooting for to be disgraced. They, right. they don't want to feel the shame of that. And, um, and I'm like, our story is death and resurrection, death, death. and resurrection. Like there's some things we got to let go, go of. of. That aren't serving us, that, so aren't, that, that aren't leading us to resurrection. So that we can experience new life. And yeah. we're afraid to do that. And I'm sorry for those folks, but at the same time, I'm not willing to not speak the truth. Right. Because it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. It's that hard thing of, like, I feel a little bit like Samuel sometimes where I want to be like, I love you guys. You've messed it up. You're but getting it wrong. You. I want to help you see the truth. Right. I love you. And it's bad news, guys. Bad news. Um, you didn't hear it when somebody else said it either. So, yeah. it, you know, yeah, yeah. So, but there's lots of, I mean, at the A15 service, I sort of kicked off with like, here are all the wonderful things that our church did this week. Because like, there's ways that we're trying to be good news in the community. And yeah. we're doing, I think, an okay job working at the homeless shelter. There was a free concert at our church this weekend that was great, wonderful, inspiring music. There were people who were willing to show up and help clean up the worship space, right? Put away Christmas because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cruel to ask our custodians to do that with the number of hours that they can work in a day. Yep. Two people doing that takes forever and yeah. 15, it takes no time. Two people put everything up. Yeah. And so there were at least 20 people taking it all down. And that's yeah. great because it yeah. goes a lot faster. Everybody was willing to pitch in, drop in the bucket. Our food pantry was this weekend and there were 20 volunteers for that. Yeah. And so, you know, those are those are all good things that we can do. The, next, the question is, where else are you called to be good news? Yeah. So. Well, thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories, or maybe you have a story of walking out, I don't know. <laughs> Shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com or contact us through our webpage, which is sundaymorningsleepin.com. The scripture for this podcast was Acts 19 verses 1 through 7. And the music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. It's traditional at the end of a worship service for the priest to deliver a blessing to the congregation. Some wise words that make everybody just a little bit holier, but we think you've already heard a word. You've already experienced epiphany. You have experienced love, grace, peace, joy, hope in your life. The proper response to that is to not be afraid to share it, to not be afraid to tell the truth about what you believe about God's love. You've been blessed. The God of all creation who invented lots of good things thought the world needed one of you too and gave you a voice so you could use it. This week, whatever you believe about President Trump's comments or Paul's questionable (laughs) leadership in Ephesus, how will you choose to live into your own skin this week? How will you love? How will you listen? How will you serve? How will you seek justice? Maybe you slept in, but now it's time to wake up and get moving. Mm